good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You're listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show. I'm your host, Kieran Mack, and thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to like this video if you're watching us on YouTube, and please do subscribe. We're also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and a host of other podcast players. Now that that's all done, let's jump into today's show. So we'll start off today with the daily COVID numbers. It's something we haven't done in quite a while, but it's good to remind ourselves that we still do have COVID here in Thailand. Now, Thailand logged 29 new COVID-19 fatalities and 7,006 new cases during the previous 24 hours, the Public Health Ministry announced on Sunday morning. On Saturday, 7,591 COVID-19 patients were discharged from hospitals after recovering from the coronavirus. Bangkok registered only one fatality, but the capital still led other provinces in the number of new infections with 756 cases. Figures from the Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration released on Sunday afternoon showed. There are currently 87,271 people who have COVID, 43,400 are in hospital, 33,014 are in what they call hospitals which are basically a hotel that's been converted to a quarantine facility and 5,925 that are in home community isolation. There was also 2,619 rapid antigen positive tests. Now, as you can see, the numbers have been fairly stagnant around the 7,000 mark for the last month or so. I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but yes, there definitely still is COVID here in Thailand, but people seem to be getting on with life right now and not overly concerned about it. But, you know, it's always good to remind ourselves that Thailand is not a COVID-free country and we still must take precautions when we're out and about. And starting off with the first story of the day, Prayat the Prime Minister meets CIA's Cohen. David Cohen, the Deputy Director of the US Central Intelligence Agency, had a closed-door meeting with Prime Minister Prayat Chan-a-Chan Friday, during which they are believed to have touched on a number of topics, including the security situation in Myanmar and Thailand's provision of humanitarian aid to the country. In an unannounced meeting, General Prayat sat down for talks with Mr. Cohen at Government House at about 9.30am, which lasted about 45 minutes minutes, said a source. The media were barred from attending. Their discussions revolved around regional stability, the situation in Myanmar, and provision of aid to effective parties in the neighbouring country, said the government house source. Their discussion also dealt with economic security, areas of Thai-US cooperation, and the United States' commitment to support Thailand when it shares the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation, or APEC, forum next year, the source said. Their talks dealt with politics, the economy and bilateral cooperation in general, not about transnational crime or the comprehensive and progressive agreement for trans-Pacific partnership, the source said. When discussing the political situation in Thailand, the Thai side sought more understanding of the local context underpinning the matter, which the US seems to get, said the source. Mr. Cohen is due to visit more countries in the Association of Southeast Asian Nations after leaving Thailand, said the source. That was just a little update. It was all very mysterious. He just kind of rather turned up and then rather disappeared. That is Mr. Cohen. Nobody particularly knows what they spoke about. And I'd say much of what was reported is just uh, speculation, to be quite honest. But you would have loved to have been a fly in the wall during that meeting. I'd say it would have been very, very interesting. But nevertheless, we'll move on to our next story. Joe Ferrari and six other ex-cops denied charge of torturing suspect to death. Dismissed former superintendent of Thailand's Nakhon Sawan police, Titasan Joe Ferrari Utanpan, admitted in court today that he assaulted suspect Yurapong Tanapat to extract information about the illicit drug trade, but denied the charge of torturing him to death, saying he did not mean to kill him. 
Titusan and his six former subordinates appeared before the Central Criminal Court for corruption and misconduct cases in the first hearing of a case in which the seven are accused of using several layers of plastic bags to cover the head of Jirapong during interrogation in police custody on August 5th. The victim died of suffocation. All seven men, including Titusan, were indicted on four charges including murder by means of torture, which carries the death penalty. Some of the group admitted to some charges, while others denied all charges. None of the group confessed to the charge of murder. Titusen admitted to charges of malfeasance in office, an offence under section 157 of the criminal code, and misuse of power causing injury to other people and coercion, for which he has been indicted by public prosecutors. During the hearing today, the victim's father sought the court's approval to become a joint prosecutor, which was granted after neither the prosecutors or defence lawyers objected. The next hearing to examine evidence is scheduled on January 19th. The case has sparked public outrage after a video clip of the torture and the victim's subsequent debt was leaked and widely shared online. So I think a lot of people are familiar with this story and just to recap for those who weren't, on August 5th they basically have a video of him and his uh, goons torturing a drug suspect by placing plastic bags over his head. He eventually died and succumbed to the injuries that uh, came from that. He was sent then to hospital for an autopsy where the hospital then somehow managed to write down that he died from a drug overdose rather than the real reason. And three weeks after all of that happened then the video was released of it and suddenly the Thailand police jumped into action to try apprehend this guy. He fled of course. Then the next day I think Uh, He turned himself in and he was given the chance to have a TV interview to tell his side of the story while the gimp of a head of police sat there nodding in his head in approval to everything this guy was basically saying. We have a video, it's all there. How they deny it, I'm not sure, but I guess this is how they're going to play it in court. And of course, we will definitely be keeping our eye on this story over the next several months. And moving swiftly along, Thai Air Asia lays off staff amid aviation woes. Thai Air Asia has announced mass layoffs and extended furloughs after struggling with the impact of the pandemic despite the country's reopening on November 1. Kuntasapan Executive Chairman of the Asia Aviation, the largest shareholder of Thai Air Asia, made the announcement to TAA's employees on Wednesday, indicating that the real situation in terms of the aviation outlook remains unstable, prompting the company to reduce its fleet size next year and consequently reduce its workforce to maintain financial stability over the long run. Even though we've negotiated with suppliers and banks to help offload aircraft leasing costs and we may get additional liquidity after restructuring this month, our balance sheet cannot be strong enough if those expenses still run. We have to permanently cut the fleet for at least two years or until international and domestic flights fully recover. Mr. Tassapon said at the internal meeting. TAA announced on Monday that its fleet size will be cut from 60 to 54 as revenue from international routes is still limited due to different reopening policies from country to country. Mr. Tassapon added that the airline had already bottomed out in the third quarter and estimated that the domestic market should fully recover by mid-2022 while international flights might gradually return to 20 to 30% of 2019 levels. The best case scenario for international routes 
is that Thai Air Asia resumes 50% of pre-pandemic scheduled flights by the end of next year. It's hurtful to take such a decision, but it's based on reality, which we cannot answer as to when the situation will improve. We have to wait until revenue from international routes comes back, and that will depend on the entry regulations of Thailand and overseas destinations, he pointed out. According to the announcement, Thai Air Asia is deciding on the number of layoffs this week and will announce the list of employees to be laid off by next week. The company is also launching an early retirement program for those who are willing to leave. Thai Air Asia and six other airlines in the country submitted a proposal to the government in April 2020 asking for soft loans to help sustain jobs for over 20,000 employees following the impact of the first nationwide lockdown in the second quarter of that year. They had to wait until the third quarter of this year to get a response from the Export-Import Bank of Thailand, which has the duty to look after those airlines. However, the financial support each airline receives is different, while a few airlines, including Thai Air Asia, still haven't received assistance at all. Mr. Tassavon said that due to the volatile situation, Thai Air Asia has to maintain furloughs and pay cuts, but will assess the situation every two months and gradually remove the cuts when the financial situation improves. In its third quarter financial results, TAA reported total revenue of 457 million baht and a net loss of 2.09 billion baht. The restructuring plan set to be proposed to shareholders at a meeting on November 26 is expected to generate additional funds of 14 million baht from new investors. So I think this is pretty much right across the board in all airlines at the moment. They are laying off people and it's very unfortunate for people who are going to lose their jobs and I feel very, very sorry for them. It's a tough time to be unemployed as well, even though the country has somewhat reopened. Jobs are not really there at the moment either. You would hope as more tourists do return to the country that more jobs will be created, but right now it's not working out that way. But it's a lot to do with the fact too that there's not that many tourists coming to the country and bookings are still very, very slow. There's a number of reasons for that, of course, we're on the fourth wave in Europe and people are still very skeptical about traveling abroad and especially to a country like Thailand that you know has imposed a lot more expense on potential tourists arriving here than of course the if you test positive thing in Thailand but yes airlines are in trouble it's a terrible business to be in at the moment but hopefully next year they'll start to see an improvement and these people who will be let go hopefully they will be rehired back in the future and give them a little more hope and opportunity for their lives. Now next up, tourists under the Test and Go scheme, which is part of the Thailand Pass, must have paid one night stay at an SHA++ hotel. In its latest update last Friday, the Tourism Authority of Thailand said that tourists arriving under the Test and Go scheme must have a fully paid one night stay at an SHA Extra Plus, so that's SHA++ hotel. SHA Extra Plus hotels are those that meet the amazing Thailand SHA Plus standard and have partnered with a certified hospital for the RT-PCR test. The list of hotels is available at www.thailandsha.com. Tad also said it takes up to seven working days for a Thailand pass to be issued. As for the test results, Tad said the normal waiting period should be 24 hours, though it may vary depending on the laboratory working hours. Now, just to clarify that on the website, they actually say between 24 to 48 hours. So they've tried to sneak in something a little extra on the side there in their update, but it is marked in red for people so they can see it has been changed. To date, Thailand has received 239,000 applications for the Thailand Pass, 97,000 were auto-approved and 31,000 were rejected. Many of the rejections were from inaccurate hotel reservations, which seems to be people booking hotels that weren't SHA++ and they were just regular hotels so they or they didn't upload the proper document to go with the 
choice of hotel that they had picked on the drop down menu so yes there has been some mistakes here but I think a lot of the mistakes are really from the tourism authority of Thailand and the Ministry for Foreign Affairs as well a lot of errors as we said in relation to that website but I think it's finally starting to get a little better for people I'm not hearing as many complaints as I did before now moving along we spoke during last week that we talk about domestic travel and that's exactly what we're going to do today whether you're an international tourist coming to Thailand for a holiday or you're an expat living in Thailand permanently travel in Thailand is still difficult and rules and regulations must be adhered to the problem and issues with travel throughout Thailand is that every province has its own set of rules that must be followed and they are sometimes not too easy to find provinces have a terrible habit of not updating websites and not making rules available in English for international travelers. Thailand still has COVID as we discussed at the beginning of this show and it's in many areas and the country is still under an emergency decree. The provinces with the most COVID infections are designated as dark red zones. This includes Chantaburi, Dak, Nakansi Tamara, Naratuat, Patani, Yala and Songkla. In these dark red zones there is still a nightly curfew from 11pm to 3am and this is strictly enforced. After the dark red zones we have red zones, orange zones, yellow zones and finally blue zones. Now blue zones at the moment are Bangkok, Phuket, Panya and Krabi. Now what I plan today is to focus on the main tourist hotspots of Bangkok, Pattaya, Phuket, Hua Hin, Suratani, which will be Samui, Chiang Mai, Chiang Rai, Krabi, Panya and Konken. The first thing to note is that many provinces will not have checkpoints if you are travelling by road. It will be up to the individual to report yourself and follow the rules. If you are staying in a hotel for example, they may ask you for one of the criteria for that province. Many provincial governments have outsourced the implementation of rules to hotels, so don't be offended if you're asked for your vaccination certificate or a COVID-19 test result or refuse access to the hotel. But in saying that, hotels should inform you before you travel. However, if you're traveling by air, provincial orders in relation to COVID-19 will be followed and it's up to the airline to ensure you meet the criteria for travel. Allow yourself plenty of time when traveling domestically as there will be enhanced screening at the airports, such as multiple temperature checks, vaccination certificate or rapid antigen checks and ensuring you meet the criteria to travel. If you don't, simply put, you won't be boarding the plane. Now, if you're flying from anywhere in Thailand to Bangkok, there is no restrictions for entry to the capital. No vaccination certificate, no test, no quarantine, unless you've come from a dark red province. However, most people won't be. However, that can't be said for the rest of the country. Now, flying to Phuket from anywhere within Thailand, adults, 18 and over, must be either fully vaccinated or have a COVID test, which will be PCR rapid antigen, no older than seven days before arriving in Phuket, or have recovered from COVID-19 within the last 90 days and have proof. You no longer need to fill out the Go Phuket website before arriving. Now, if you're flying to Chiang Mai or Chiang Rai, you must be either fully vaccinated or have a COVID test by either RT-PCR or rapid antigen method, no older than 72 hours before arriving in the province or have recovered from COVID-19 within the last 90 days and have proof. You must also register on the Chiang Mai Chana website or the Sawadi Chiang Rai website before you arrive and you can do this up to three days before arrival. Now if you're planning to fly to Pattaya, which would be Utapo or Rayong, no vaccination certificate, no test, no quarantine unless you have come from a dark red province. If you do, you'll have to produce one of the above. Now, if you're flying or entering Samui via ferry, which is in Suratani, you must be either fully vaccinated 
or have a COVID-19 test by either RT-PCR method or rapid antigen test no older than seven days before arriving in Samui or have recovered from COVID-19 within the last 90 days and have proof. And you must also register on the Save Surat website. Flying to Krabi, you must have be either fully vaccinated, have a COVID test no older than seven days before arriving in Krabi or have recovered from COVID-19 within the last 90 days and have proof. You must also register on the QT14 Krabi website. If you're traveling to Panya province, which will be like the likes of Kaolak, Takupa, you fly to Phuket and you transfer. The Phuket requirements must be adhered to. Hotels in Panya will ask for a vaccination certificate or COVID test or recovery letter from COVID not older than 90 days. And finally, if you're flying to Konken, you must either be fully vaccinated or have a COVID test by RT-PCR method only. Rapid tests are not accepted. If you do not meet the criterion you will not be permitted to fly people arriving by land will be quarantined for 14 days if you do not meet this requirement as i've said before always check with the domestic airline so not to cause disappointment and be refused boarding public health officials have been known to treat foreigners differently than thai citizens so please do bear that in mind always keep your cool and be polite and try to come to an agreement if you arrive in a province and they try to quarantine you even if you are fully vaccinated and have a covid 19 test result that's negative it has been noted in northern provinces of foreigners visiting their families who are fully vaccinated and having recent PCR tests being forced to home quarantine and that has happened and a number of people have told me about this and it's been in the media as well. This is the information that I have in relation to the main tourist hotspots of Thailand. What I plan to do this week is I will send out a newsletter with all this information for people so they have it on hand and they can flick through it whenever they want. If you're a new listener or you haven't subscribed uh, to the newsletter, pop over to the website www.thaiexpatdailyshow.com and just hit subscribe, put in your email address and you'll get that newsletter during the week. The website link is also down below in the description and hopefully I've explained it to you easily enough so you understand that every province, although it may sound like the same, they do have their own little bits that are different and their own website for registration. So these things are all very important if you want to move around Thailand at the moment. But hopefully that was helpful and we'll move along to the next story of the day. I'm moving along. Philippines to reopen soon to vaccinated foreign tourists. The Philippines has approved a plan to allow entry soon to foreign tourists vaccinated against COVID-19, its tourism ministry said on Friday following moves by other Southeast Asian countries to relax travel curbs. The Coronavirus Task Force approved in principle the entry of fully vaccinated tourists from countries with low COVID-19 cases, the ministry said, adding that guidelines must be finalised. The Philippines, known for its diving and thousands of tropical islands, saw an 83% drop in foreign arrivals last year, receiving nearly 1.4 million visitors compared to nearly 8.2 million in 2019. Japan, South Korea and China are its biggest tourism markets. It imposed some of Asia's tightest entry requirements during the pandemic and has been one of the region's worst hit countries in terms of cases, deaths and economic losses. Just over a quarter of its population has been vaccinated. Neighbours Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, Malaysia, 
Malaysia, Singapore and Indonesia have also announced various degrees of reopening in recent weeks after progress in vaccinating their local populations. Allowing tourists from green countries or territories that have the majority of its population vaccinated and with low infection rate will greatly help in our recovery efforts, said Tourism Minister Bernadette Romulo Puya said in the statement. The Philippine includes on its green list of approved countries Japan, China, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates and India, among others. So another Southeast Asian country who are going to attempt to open to international travel. I wonder, will it be similar to the Thailand method and what seems to be Cambodia's method as well? It's pretty much following in the steps of many of what Thailand has done. I'm not sure it's going to bring in a great deal of people. What we're slowly learning from the Thailand Pass and the Thailand reopening is that although there's a lot of talk, the basic entry requirements are a big turn off for people. And also we have to note that now we see Europe is going through basically a fourth wave. We're seeing lockdowns in Europe and I think this is all going to affect travel over the next few months. And next up, Moken communities under lockdown after 15 tests positive for COVID-19. The Provincial Communicable Disease Committee of the Southern Coastal Province of Panya has temporarily but completely locked down the Moken or Morgan indigenous communities on the Surin Islands in the Andaman Sea after 15 people tested positive for COVID-19. The infections were found during the proactive screening of about 310 people considered to be at high risk by health officials from the Kuraburi district. The Communicable Disease Committee ordered the Moken community to be placed under lockdown and all residents to remain in home isolation for 14 days with local officials deployed to control access in to and out of the communities. Meanwhile, on Labong Island in the southern province of Trang, which is a popular tourist destination, health officials have stepped up mass vaccinations of the islanders, especially students, to ensure that 70% of them are inoculated before the reopening of the island to tourists on December 1. And finally, Thailand to reconsider early reopening of bars. Thailand will consider reopening bars earlier than planned after the number of new COVID-19 infections fell to the fewest in four months. Earlier this month, Thailand's Centre for COVID-19 Situation Administration said it would be January 16th next year before bars and other nighttime entertainment venues would be able to open. However, on Friday, the Secretary General of the National Security Council said that a proposal would be considered next week that could see bars given the green light to open earlier than scheduled. Mr. Sapot ruled out bars opening from December 1, but said the proposal to reopen was really good and said there was a chance the reopening would be brought forward. If approved, venues with SHA or equivalent safety measures would likely be able to reopen. Meanwhile, the CCSA spokesperson urged venues to register for the SHA certification, adding that any early reopening will depend on the readiness of venues to be able to create a COVID-19 free setting. The CCSA is also set to consider adding more countries to its list of places eligible for quarantine free travel from December 1. More than 50,000 tourists have now visited Thailand since the country opened to tourism on November 1st. On Friday, the Health Ministry revealed that 65% of people in Thailand had now received at least one dose of COVID-19 vaccine, while 50 3% have received two doses. So that would be very, very good news for the bars and other venues around the country, and especially in areas like Pattaya that have been closed now for the last seven or eight months. I'm glad to see that there is some kind of common sense being 
used in all of this. I think a beginning would be to open up all these 17 blue zones and ensure that all bars and everything within these areas are all open and back to normal. If you wish to attract tourists to there, I think it would be a huge boost to the economy and certainly would spur on tourism a little bit more. Though the Thailand Pass is still confusing and as bureaucratic as ever, but I think having a lot more things open when you get to the country would be a good thing. And I think with the lockdowns occurring in Europe, it might be a place that tourists then might consider getting out of their home country for a few weeks and going to a country where they can relax, chill out in the sun, enjoy Thailand, enjoy a few drinks, the great food, great atmosphere, great culture. And I think it could work if they were to focus on being a real tourist destination. But ultimately, with this story or anything else that stood out to you today, I'd love to know your thoughts in the comments down below. Because yes, this is a new show, but it's also a conversation. Now keep that conversation going. Make sure you like this video, subscribe to the channel, share the video, and do all the good stuff that does help that YouTube algorithm. But ultimately, my name is Kieran Mack. You've been listening to the Thai Expat Daily Show, and we will see you next time.